Welcome to How My Country Works with your host, Stephen O'Shea. Next up, located in Eastern Europe with the capital Sofia, a population of 6.8 million and functioning as a parliamentary democracy is Bulgaria. In April 2021, the current government of Bulgaria and the leading party of the then Prime Minister, Boyko Borisov, won the most amount of votes of any party in the country's election. However, with such a fractured vote and only 26% of it, Borisov soon found himself out of office. The political leader, who has dominated the top job in Bulgaria since 2009, suddenly found himself out of power and dogged by charges of corruption. Bulgaria comes last in the EU in terms of transparency and is also the political bloc's poorest member nation. But how would the country now proceed without such a domineering figure at the helm? In order to dive a little bit deeper into this and the broader political climate of Bulgaria, I'm joined on the show by Professor Rumyana Kristidi, who is a professor of history at Sofia University. Hi Rumyana, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Stephen. It's my pleasure. Well, why don't we dive straight into the history of Bulgaria? Can you start by telling me about the takeover by the Ottoman Empire in the 14th century? Yes, it's a good starting point uh, because uh, the Ottoman rule in Bulgaria lasted for five centuries. Whoa, 500 years? And even in a country that's 1300 years old, that's a huge amount of their history. How does this impact the country? Uh, for, For Bulgarians, the loss of freedom in the beginning of Ottoman rule was accompanied by a series of um, developments that had negative consequences. What do you mean? A lot of uh, people died in the process of conquest, and uh, many people were forcibly converted to Islam, especially in the first uh, years and the first century uh, of the conquest and afterwards. Of course. The rest of uh, uh, the Bulgarians, those who survived, they uh, had to withdraw from the cities and settle down in the villages, in the mountains, where they lived by cultivating the land. And uh, the official status of the population uh, of the Bulgarian and the Christian population in the Ottoman Empire was Raya, which is actually uh, second-class citizens. Interesting. So they're basically just there to farm and pay taxes, and so leaves the country pretty poor off as a result. How do they eventually throw off the Ottoman rulers then? So the the end of the uh, Ottoman rule actually came as a result of the Russian-Turkish War of 1878. Of course, the Bulgarians participated actively uh, and uh, they uh, organized a lot of uprisings against the Ottomans, but eventually they were liberated uh, uh, by, by the Russians as a result of the Russian-Turkish War. Right. So they're kind of set free as the Ottoman Empire is starting to collapse at the end of the 19th century. And they actually gain full independence in 1908. But then the First World War breaks out and they're actually on the losing side. Why do they side with Germany? national unification, to have all the Bulgarians in the same country. Right. So the country has lost a lot of its territory and people after being occupied and sees a military way to regain these lost lands. How does this go for them? Isolated and angry Bulgaria found it easy to ally itself with Germany and Austro-Hungary during uh, the First World War. The two powers that were promising uh, uh, to restore the territorial settlement of the Balkan Wars in favor of Bulgaria 
And although the Bulgarian army uh, initially fought uh, successfully and captured a sizable part of the desired territories in Macedonia and uh, Thrace, uh, the whole course of the war uh, and uh, the wider course of the war was uh, against uh, uh, the country, so Bulgaria lost. And um, the end of the First World War was a national disaster, a catastrophe for the country. Why so? Lives were lost uh, uh, and uh, huge reparations had to be paid uh, after the war and uh, uh, the country was humiliated and uh, lost even more territories. Right, so they've gone into the war to gain back people and land, but actually lost more of both, including around 100,000 lives. This probably leaves the country even more bitter still, right? Bulgaria belonged to the the group of losers of the First World War, and although the country tried to stay neutral until 1941, Bulgaria was declared neutrality and stayed neutral, but it was Germany that promised against the, those territories, desired territories that Bulgaria considered belong historically and ethnically to belong to, to the state. Interesting. So it's kind of take two for Bulgaria, once again sucked into the German sphere and trying to achieve more territory. So we come to the, the Second World War. Bulgaria joined Germany in 1941, but it's very interesting because uh, it's the only ally of Germany that didn't actually fight, didn't participate into uh, military actions. What do you mean? Because if if had to fight, it would be against uh, uh, the Soviets on the Eastern Front. It was very clear to the Bulgarian Tsar, Boris III, and obviously to Hitler too, that uh, they couldn't motivate the Bulgarian soldiers to fight against the Russians on the Eastern Front for the sake of the Germans. So Bulgaria let the German troops uh, in and um, then uh, uh, Bulgaria occupied uh, uh, these parts of Greece and Yugoslavia, uh, Macedonia and the Asian Thrace, the so-called new added territories. And it was like, you know, having the, the national unification after so many years. So there was an euphoria in 1941 when it happened. But then we know that uh, also the, the course of the war uh, went uh, wrongly for, for Germany and its allies. So Bulgaria lost this war too, but uh, it wasn't a national catastrophe. First of all, uh, because the country didn't fight. Actually, Bulgaria fought only against the Germans. Wait, what do you mean? I thought they were on Germany's side. Because in the September 1944, the country uh, switched sides when the, the Soviet army uh, arrived uh, and the military coup uh, happened in the country in 9th of September 1944. <laughs> right. So because it was only really fighting at the end, it actually only lost 32,000 troops this time and didn't have to give up any more of its territory. And the country was pretty exceptional for another reason, right? It didn't actually give over any of its Jewish population to the Nazis, did it? It's a European exception. The salvation of the Bulgarian Jews during the Second World War is really an exception. Uh, Bulgaria had uh, a Jewish population of uh, 48,000 out of 7.5 million people in the country. So why didn't it give these people up? 
Bulgaria was a country ally of Germany, a country which had very, very hard and full anti-Jewish legislation and also a written agreement for the deportation of the Jews. But it never happened. Of course, the fact that the Bulgarians lived for centuries with uh, uh, Greeks, Turks, uh, Jews, uh, Gypsies, Armenians, of course, it also helps. But uh, the fact is that uh, Bulgarian Jews were never, first of all, never especially rich. We have rich families, rich individuals, of course, but as a whole, they were, you know, like the rest of the, the city population in Bulgaria. So Bulgarians and Jews lived side by side. The Bulgarian Jews fought side by side uh, with the rest of the people in all the wars for national unification. So there was no, it's not that Bulgarians were especially philo-Semitic, but, uh, and had specially, you know, special attitude towards the Jews. In normal times, they viewed them with indifference. But in times of danger, it was not because these people are Jews, but because they are one of us, our neighbors, friends, colleagues, and uh, their life was threatened for, for no reason, you know, they, they didn't do anything. So it was uh, the deportation of the Bulgarian Jews was scheduled. It was even a, there was a written agreement for, for the deportation. But there was a huge resistance from all parts of the Bulgarian society. How fascinating. And because of this resistance amongst different institutions, they kind of pretended they would send them, but just never did. But then the country emerges from the Second World War in the grip of the Soviet Union, right? As a result of uh, the agreement between Churchill and Stalin for the division of the sphere of influences, uh, Bulgaria was put uh, in the Soviet sphere uh, of influence. Yeah, right. It was more uh, logical Bulgaria to belong to the Soviet sphere of influence because of uh, historical reasons. And uh, Slavic countries, you know, uh, historically closed, uh, the Russophile feelings uh, in the Bulgarian society naturally. Right, of course. So how does this influence begin to shift the country? Bulgaria was not a communist country in 1944. I mean, inside the population. When you have 80% small owners of land, you know, people are not communists. They might be leftists. They might be, you know, uh, of course, uh, like the Soviet Union, the Russians generally, but people were not communists. We have a very small illegal communist party. Yes, they, they led the anti-Nazi resistance. They fought against the Germans and the Bulgarian authorities. Uh, but they were a very small number. Interesting. But with the Soviets at their gates, they very quickly found communism. Bulgaria had to uh, take the way to uh, become, I wouldn't say communist country. It could be said communist because the Communist Party uh, controlled the country. It was, of course, a totalitarian regime. You have one party which controls everything. The state and the party apparatus became one and the same thing. And uh, it's a totalitarian regime uh, with all its characteristics, uh, of course. Uh, there is no freedom, um, etc. Right. So it becomes a pretty staunch member of the Soviet Union, following many of its actions fr directly from Russia. Over the decades, the country experiences notable economic development from agricultural to manufacturing. 
but it's still under a very restrictive regime. So what happens when it emerges from this and into capitalism with the fall of the Soviet Union in the 1990s? There was a long period of transition. And especially in the 90s, it was very difficult for the country, uh, economically, socially. Many people paid a huge social price uh, for the transition. Yeah, of course. But it really starts to embrace the West and joins NATO and the EU. And all of this rapid change allows for a lot of corruption to seep into the system, which has really hampered the current democratic process, right? There's even been three elections this year. Why is that? People are uh, tired of politicians, disappointed by the political parties and the political class here in Bulgaria. Definitely. We have no winner at the elections again and again. We have different parties. People are looking for someone or something new that could promise something, a change, a change. This is what people want, a change. And, um, but they cannot identify anyone, you know, uh, as uh, the one who would uh, make this change. Yeah, right. And of course, this leads to multiple party coalition governments, which are often not too stable. What is the cause of this instability? It's corruption. Corruption is probably the biggest problem uh, in Bulgaria because no matter who is uh, on power, corruption is a constant thing. When you have such a corruption, you cannot proceed with any reforms and any change. Yeah, of course. People are not united and uh, especially in Bulgaria, there is something that uh, remains not only from the not that much from the Soviet times but from the Ottoman times and this thing is not to believe in state and power the authorities and to rely on yourself and it's the principle of the to survive individually not as a whole as a community as people as country unfortunately we still have it uh, today Interesting. Well, I think that really brings us nicely full circle. But before we let you go, would you mind just chatting to us about an event or celebration or festival that's unique to Bulgaria? There is a very nice one, uh, which comes from only from the pagan times, <laughs> the barbarian times of, uh, of uh, Bulgarians. Uh, every year on the 1st of March, Bulgarian people celebrate um, a centuries-old uh, tradition called the Day of Baba Marta. Baba means grandma and Marta means March. So it's like grandma March, uh, related to sending off the winter and wel- welcoming the, the approaching spring. On that day, uh, a few day and a few days afterwards, Bulgarians exchange and wear the so-called Martenica. Martinitzas, it's uh, decorative pieces of red and white twisted threads uh, symbolizing health and happiness and a lucky charm against uh, evil spirits. The Martinitzas are given away to friends, family, colleagues uh, and are worn around the wrist or pinned on the, the clothes. Uh, in some villages, people uh, decorate their houses and their domestic animals with martinitzas. Uh, it's made, uh, as I said, of twinned red and white threads, woolen, silk, or cotton. 
the most typical martenitsa represents two small dolls uh, uh, known as piju and panda piju is the male doll usually in white color and panda is the female uh, usually in red color and distinguished by her skirt Martinitas come in a variety of shapes and sizes, uh, bracelets, necklaces, uh, uh, pom-poms, uh, uh, bows, different shapes and size. The white is the symbol of uh, purity, innocence, beauty and joy. And the red uh, uh, is associate, associated with uh, health, uh, vitality, fertility and bravery. So according to the tradition, People wear martinitas for a certain period, uh, um, the end of which is usually associated with the, the first signs of spring, uh, seeing a stork or a, a fruit tree in blossom. After that, people can tie the martinitsa on a blossoming tree for fertility, thus giving the tree uh, health and luck, uh, which the person wearing the martinitsa enjoyed uh, while wearing it. So, and foreigners, when they, they found themselves in Bulgaria on the 1st of March, they also receive uh, Martinitz and they like uh, this custom very much. <laughs> I bet. It sounds like a great custom and I can't wait to get mine. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Rumiana. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stephen. It was my pleasure indeed. I think that's a perfect place to end the show. Thanks so much to my guest, Rumiana Christidi. Join us next time where we'll be exploring the West African nation of Burkina Faso, which despite its multiple coups, has a name which actually means land of honest men. As always, please do rate us on your podcast app and recommend us to any friends that have a hankering for political knowledge. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at How My Country Works for extra insights and facts. And there you can message us around anything else you'd like to know about Bulgaria or any other country. This podcast is produced by Stephen O'Shea. See you next time and remember to keep asking how my country works.